Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse number 5. Proverbs 3 and verse number 5. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for responding to such beautiful worship we had uh, today. I just I feel the touch and the presence of God. And I feel like the Lord uh, would speak to us this morning. And uh, I want to share with you something laid on, the Lord laid on my heart several weeks ago. And... Uh, some of these things just kind of sit on the shelf until God says it's time. And uh, I want to share it with you today. I may not be as wide open as you're used to me being. I may at times seem like I'm more teaching than preaching. And you know what they say, you know, teaching is telling and preaching is yelling. Amen. So I'll tell and yell here a little bit today. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3. And verse number 5 and verse 6, I know most of you can quote it, but would you read it aloud with me? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I want us to read that again. Read it aloud. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. One of the most difficult parts of living for God is learning to not lean on your own understanding. Not being confident in your own decision making. But leaning to the understanding of the Lord. Amen. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I want the Lord to direct my paths. I don't want to direct my paths. I'm just amazed at how many wrong paths people take and then they come and they serve the Lord and after a few months or a few years they all of a sudden think they got great decision making capabilities outside of God. And they make horrible decisions that are not based on God's Word and His Spirit. Amen. And so uh, I know this morning, this this may not be the most profound message you've ever heard, but something I really have felt strong uh, and led of the Lord to preach on this morning. And I want to talk about, preach about direction during difficulty. Direction during difficulty. It's, you know, it's somewhat easy to make a decision when the skies are blue and the weather's fair and you can see way in front of you. It's another thing to try to make a decision when the storms are raging. I don't know if y'all have ever been in a Texas flash flood downpour. We call them toad stranglers. That means even the frogs are drowning. It, it will rain so hard, and this is not an exaggeration. I remember the first time my wife had to drive in one of these back home. You cannot even see the front of your hood. The rain comes down so hard. I'm talking about being that point in life when decisions must be made. And you better not lean to your understanding, but unto the understanding. Well, Pastor, I've got blue skies in my life, and everything is just peaches and cream and everything is perfect well you just hold on storms of life are cyclical they're going to come right back around and so I, I want the word of the Lord to direct us this morning would you pray with me Jesus I thank you for your word I thank you for your understanding and truth I thank you Lord for the victory and the liberty that we feel here today and I'm praying that you would use me that you would anoint me oh God to speak your word your word. Let it be a word fitly spoken into somebody's life. I pray, Lord, that it's a transformative word, a rhema word, a fresh word, oh God. And I pray that before we leave here, we'll be changed by the power of your spirit 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you thank the Lord again for His presence and His Word today? Come on, for what He's going to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. You can be seated. Amen. As with many of the Proverbs, these verses are divided and it divides them into commands and blessings. And let, let me say this because we live in such a um, non-confrontational Christian, and I use that loosely Christian world, that there's, there's never any confrontation in a lot of, you know, so-called churches through the word. And, and it's generally, you know, a little 15-minute sermonette, let's just feel good. And, and, and you know, there, there's a time for a message to come and, and, and bring hope and strength and all of that. But there, there's times the word of God is, is, is going to conflict with my life. And so I have to make that choice, that decision, do I come up under the banner of God's word or do I continue to seek after that which I think feels good to me? Amen. And, and, and the just, the, the righteous, the, the people of faith, we don't walk by feeling. And we don't even walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Amen. And so, as with many of these Proverbs, uh, they are divided into commands and blessings. And one verse, you'll get the command, and the next verse, you'll get the blessing. And, and let me say this, the Word of God does not have suggestions for life. It has commands, and it, and it commands us. And, you know, we, we hear people, you know, claiming all the blessings of Abraham's, but preceding the blessing of Abraham were the commands. If you obey my word, you will inherit this. This will be yours, and you go right down the list. But it was all predicated on the word if, if you do what I say. If you are not seeing the things of God manifest in your life like the word of God has proclaimed, then you may want to go back to the if. Am I obeying the commands of God for my life? Amen. I told you I was going to be in a little bit of a different gear here this morning. Amen. So in one verse you're going to get the command, and the next verse you're going uh, to get the blessing. Amen. If you go to the book of Proverbs in that same chapter, amen, in verse, uh, in chapter number three, amen, and then you begin in verse two, you're going to see uh, for, the, for the length of thy days and long life and peace they shall add to thee. That, that's the blessing. Verse three is the command. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. So you got the blessing. You're going to live long. You're going to have peace. Amen. And God's going to add peaceful days unto your life. How many want some peaceful days in your life? He said, but, but the only way I can do that is that you do not forsake mercy and you do not forsake peace, but you take them and you bind them around your neck and you write upon them the table of thine heart. And then in verse 4, there's more blessing. He says, uh, Thou shalt, uh, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, if you're only reading that without reading verse 3, uh, then everything gets lopsided because you, you don't understand contextually what God is trying to say through his word that the blessings and the favor of, of, of God being in your life with men, amen, that only comes when you take mercy and truth and you don't forsake it and bind it about thy neck, amen. If everything in your life is fluid, if you have no absolutes, if there's no truth, there's nothing you stand for, amen, then, then the following is not going to happen amen if, if you teach or believe that you know truth is subjective and all of that stuff well you're not going to get that part you you gotta you gotta have mercy and truth in your life amen if you're a jerk to everybody you meet you're not going to have long peaceful days you gotta you gotta be long suffering and kind with all the people of the earth because you gotta show mercy to whom mercy is given amen it's mercy uh, receded back to them and so if you want days of peace, you got to show mercy. 
Amen. You say, well, uh, how does that happen? Well, if you're merciful, then you're peaceful. If you're, if you're trying to go to war with everybody all the time, then, then you're going to have all kinds of chaos and conflict and strife in your life. But if you extend mercy to people, even and more especially to those who do you wrong, peace is going to be a byproduct of that. You show people mercy, they'll show you mercy. You're kind to people, they'll be kind to you. You, you know anybody, and don't point at them because I'm sure they're not here, but do, do you ever know anybody that's always in conflict with somebody? I mean, it, they always got somebody they're in conflict with. You, they're always talking bad about this one, and they're talking bad. And every time you get around them, they're talking bad about somebody. In the Guess what? Newsflash. You ready? Hold on to your chair. I don't want you to fall into the floor. Newsflash. When they leave you, they're talking about you to other people. So while you're sitting there, and it feels good to your flesh, amen, to get the scoop and the dirt on all of this stuff, I promise you, I promise you, they're going from you to somebody else and they're going to blast you to them like they did them to you. And so those people are always in conflict because they never have mercy and they don't have kindness. Amen. So it's not reflected back into their life. Now, there's going to be conflict in your life even when you are nice and merciful and peaceful with other people. It's just going to happen. That's part of the nature of life. But, but you, you can't live your life in a warfare trying to fight everybody all the time. Amen. You, 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 you can't. Amen. Let's reach, reach your hand out toward her right now and let's just begin to pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to just stretch your hand that way and just begin to pray for it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and pray with me right now. God, touch her. Lord, let healing virtue flow into her body right now by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come on, decree healing upon her right now in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen, amen. We, we know she, she deals with this, this kind of an issue, and then uh, Sister Tinker and them know how to uh, help and, and treat this, amen. And so we're just praying that, that, that God just heal her in this moment, amen. And, 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 but you, you've got to understand to have mercy You've got to show mercy. To have grace, you've got to show grace. To have peace, you've got to extend peace. Amen. It, it, it can't always be in a conflict situation. You, you can't just all, always be finding a reason to fight people. Amen. But if you'll take mercy and truth. Now, there are some things worth fighting for. Truth is one of them. Truth is worth fighting for. I want to say that again. Truth is absolutely worth fighting for. There are some absolutes. I'll tell you one that's worth fighting for. Men are men and women are women. There's only two genders. If you'd have told me 10 years ago that would offend people, I would have thought, no, no, not really. But it does. It offends people. And it shouldn't offend anybody in the church. If it does, you're not saved. I'm, 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 I'm giving you the truth, and I'm giving it to you in mercy. Amen. That, that's not being mean. You say, well, you're just being mean to people. That's, the truth is not mean. Truth is truth. There's no your version of truth and my version of truth. And I have to make the truth, the statement of absolute truth, because now, more than ever, it's more important for the pulpit to send a clear sound that this is true. We don't believe people were born into the wrong body. To do that, then you confess that God is wrong. And if God is wrong on anything, he's wrong on everything. But I feel for these people. I feel for the people too. I feel for people that are genuinely that confused. And we have a pandemic in our country today. Amen. And that pandemic is because nobody wants to stand for truth. We got to stand for truth. Amen. So if you follow truth, blessing and mercy, amen, is going to follow in favor with all men. And then he says in verse 5, again, here is a command, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, 
in all thy ways acknowledge him. Amen. Don't lean to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How many wants a God-directed life? I want a God-directed life. I want God to direct every step of my life. Now, God's not going to tell you what color socks to wear in the morning. So don't, I, I knew somebody one time um, that, that told me that every morning when they get up, she said, God tells them, tells her everything to wear uh, down to her underbritches. Amen. Now, now, God don't do that. God's not going to wake you up in the morning and say, polka dots, not stripes. Okay? God's not going to get up in the morning. Amen. And now, there might be a rare occasion. Uh, you know, I, I could see where God, you know, you wake up and it's kind of a, a cold morning and, and the Lord kind of nudge you a little bit to wear some extra layer of clothing and you might run off in the ditch and it'd be freezing and those, you know, clothing kept you. Well, I could, but you're, you're not waking up in the morning and, and God telling you, all right, brush your teeth back and forth, not up and down. Okay. That's not how God works. But I want God to direct my every path. I want him to give me direction in every area of my life that needs directing. Before I get a new job, I want God to direct my path. Amen. I know too many people blaming God because they got a horrible job that they took that he wasn't directing them to. They took the job because it had better, it had better benefits and it had better pay, but they never considered to go to God and say, how do you feel about this? Because God has direction for our life. Amen. I've, I've seen people miss the mark in, in their decision-making of life choices because they didn't take it to God and ask God to direct thy path. Amen. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I'm going to do this because I feel like God, God told me we need to do this. Um, you know what I do? I just say, okay. I'm not going to argue with you. If God said, I'm not going to argue with you. Amen. Now, unless God's telling you to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, then I'm going to argue with you and to make a phone call to get you some help. Amen. But, but uh, people come and say, well, God told me we're going to do this without any consideration. If God's telling you that, he's going to confirm it through headship. God will never violate himself that way. He will never break that path. To this day, I don't make big decisions without calling my pastor, my elder, and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got this, this thing's happening. And, and I'm talking about even decisions in the church from locations and, and, and services and things like that. I'll call, I'll call my pastor, my elders, and I'll say, I want you to pray about this. And sometimes they'll say, well, I, you know, you're doing the right thing. You just do whatever. And sometimes they may say, yeah, go ahead with it. This is of God. Or no, don't do this because this isn't the right time for this because I understand how God works yes I can pray and hear from God myself but I am always biased to my own feeling amen I, I told you I'm going to be in a little bit different gear this morning amen you won't screaming and sweating and spitting and go to last Sunday amen it's, uh, I'm going to teach you some life principles right now we're always biased to our own feelings Amen. Pastor, um, I'm, I'm, if I work six more hours, I'm, I'm going to hit this place where they're going to give me bonus and stock in the company or whatever. Uh, but, but I've also got a free trip to Disneyland, and, in which it would make me miss that six hours of all this stuff. And, and uh, I prayed about it, and I feel like God wants me to go to Disneyland. Well, you're, you're, you're biased toward what you feel. And I'm using a bit of an extreme example there. But we're always biased to our want. We're always biased to our want. I think even touched on this last week. Amen. We, we've got to seek after the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's kingdom first. I, I don't know if, if you remember I preached a message not too long ago about, um, about stay in Crete. Do you remember I preached on stay in Crete? About Titus. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the podcast. Amen. If you don't have the first church app, you need to get it because you can find all that stuff archived. How, how that Titus wanted to leave Crete. He wanted out of Crete because the people of Crete were jerks. The people of Crete were a bunch of overweight, backbiting, loudmouthed, dissentious people that nobody liked them. Even their own pastor didn't like them. 
And you're saying, now you're being hard, but then I'm telling you, you don't know your Bible. Because when Paul wrote Titus, he said, their own people call them slow bellies. That they're liars. And, and then Paul said, and all of it's true. So what Paul said, go read it in Titus 1. He wanted out of Crete. Titus wanted out. But Paul said, no, Titus, you're there for a reason. I sent you there for a reason. Don't you leave. And by the end of Titus' life, he stayed there. He submitted to God. He submitted what God wanted in his life before he left there. Amen. And to this day, there's a memorial on that island to Titus being the first pastor and the missionary to the island of Crete. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is you're always going to feel the will of God is in your emotion. I know it's in popular preaching, amen, but just hold on, especially in California. Especially out here. Now, I don't know of anything happening, so y'all just, just bear with me. Everybody's, God wants me to move. Why? Well, because it's tough. It's not tough anywhere else. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good now. I got to get out of here. I can't handle it. I can't. Yeah. Is our politics crazy? Yeah, they're nut jobs. If it wasn't for double standards, these politicians in Sacramento would have no standards at all. I have never seen a more corrupt group of people than what's led by our governor. Anti-God, anti-family, anti-church. That's why they left the bars open and shut down the church. That tells you everything you need to know. And you should never support a person like that. I'm, 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 ta I'm talking to you about feeling over the direction of God. Well, I just got to get out of here. It's expensive. Okay, but what about God? What about the early church Christians who wanted out of Rome? They were slaves. They could have escaped, but God wanted them there. And a mighty church was born in Rome and a mighty church and a great revival was sent to the uttermost parts of the earth because of Jerusalem and Rome. There's always that feeling of emotion. Well, my emotion says this, but what about what God says? Well, God wants my life to be easy. Are you sure? He wants your life to be directed. I'm talking about decisions during difficulty. Never make decisions when you're tired. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, whether to go to bed or stay up. I'm talking about don't make life decisions when you're tired. Don't make life decisions when all hell is breaking loose. Because that's the design of the enemy. is to get you to make wrong decisions while you're exhausted. To get you to make wrong decisions while the heat of the battle is happening. You have got to trust in God's word. You have got to lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. Amen. I, I told you I'm in a different gear today. There's decisions. Everybody say decisions. Say it again. Decisions. Decisions, decisions, decisions. The, the, the future is filled with choice. Some are insignificant and some are easily made. And there are, uh, they are easy uh, to put behind us and go on because it's just a simple decision. Others are momentous. They're soul-sized decisions. They're demanding and difficult. Often each alternative is equally beguiling because you don't have a clear choice. It seems like it's evil or lesser evil. Some of the choices aren't as black and white as you may think. It's not as easy as, you know, do I shoot somebody or I just let it go? I'm talking about choices to where decisions got to be made to where it doesn't seem like either choice is far off from one another. At times the choices is not between good and evil, but what is good, which is better, or which can I achieve the best? And then which is which? Which choice is which? In life, I must know with a certainty which bridges that I am to cross 
and which bridges I am to burn once I cross them. Often I must choose while walking in the fog of indecision, hampered by the vertigo of swirling clouds of confusion and insecurity. Uncertainty will gather around me. Life darkens like the black clouds that bring a certain storm. I'm faced not only of the possibility of missing my maximum, but also the possibility of being lost in mediocrity and living an unchallenged life. Icy fingers grip the very depth of our soul in these moments. Do I possess the wisdom or experience to make the correct choice? Intimidating memories of foolish choices and bad decisions of the past dance like taunting demons in our mind. You messed up last time. You'll mess up this time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Our mistakes, our misfires, and our missed opportunities often haunt us long after the decision had been made. The if-onlys of poor choices give illegitimate birth to the what-ifs of lost opportunities in our past. And so we question everything before us as if we are incapable of even finding God's will for that choice. How many of us this morning are standing on the edge of a crucial decision? The deadline is approaching. Choices must be made that are irrevocable choices. We've prayed, we've thought, we've counseled, we've talked with trusted friends and family, yet there is no ease, no, no sense of relief, no sense of peace. Most of us are dealing with problems that are painful. Some concern our future, some concern our past. Others are deeply perplexing marital problems or perhaps an impossible family situation or wisdom to shepherd a child through the perilous times of the stage of life they're in. For some, it's, it's the passage of life and it's new and confusing and it's do I go here or do I go there? This might be the best choice, but it doesn't even seem to be a legitimate choice. I'm talking about decisions. But all of them dish up more quandaries than we are capable of handling. On what basis do I choose? What principles are valid in this situation? How will I know for sure the what if, the what if, the what if, the what if of life? Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? The constant turning of the what if. Every morning when the alarm goes off, it's the what if. You're driving to work and you're struggling with the decision and the what if of life. Life's agenda is then thrust upon me and it's thrust upon you and I don't don't even have time to properly prioritize the agenda. Amen. I need direction for my life and I need direction for my life to come from God and God alone. Where is it safe to take the next step? On which path? On what choice? In which direction? What do I do now? I'm struggling with the decision of life. It's not as easy as you may think. People from the outside looking in says it's obvious, but when you're on the inside looking out, the choice is not as obvious as it seems. What does it mean to allow God to direct your life? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's what I want. I want the light of life in me. In other words, he said, shall have the insight. The literal translation is, you shall have the insight of the living one. To answer to all questions that might come, the quandaries, the decisions, the doubts that are found in my life and even my relationship with God. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. I'm telling you this morning, you can trust what God is gonna say in your life. If you trust in God to save you and you trust in God to keep you, you better be able to trust in God to direct your path. David said, it's a lamp unto my feet. It is a 
light unto my path. The terrain surrounding Jerusalem was, is a very mountainous place. The paths are very narrow and treacherous for travel, especially in the biblical times. And it was especially true for soldiers who were moving under the cover of darkness and in the stealth of the night through the canyons. So lamps were made that were tied around the ankle of the warrior. I want you to, I want you to picture this. There was no infrared night vision. There, there, was no, uh, there were no spotlight beams. There were no parachute flares to launch into the sky uh, to light their path but but they affixed to themselves a man they, they say necessity is the mother of all invention and when they needed to move under the stealth of darkness they tied lamps around their ankles David was extremely familiar with this because he was a man of war and he was a successful warrior and he would take lamps and he would tie them around the ankle of those men that would go fight and this gave the armies the freedom of movement yet their maneuvers would not be compromised in the night because the way the lamp was designed it would only illuminate right around your feet. God's word gives us an analogy in Psalms 119 and he said God's word gives me enough light to take my next step. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. It didn't say the journey of a good man. It said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. In other words David said if you'll trust in God he will give you enough light for you to take the next step. Quit worrying about next week and next year and next month but worry about the next step. Jesus catching this same principle says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not about next month's bread. It's not about tomorrow's bread, but give me what I need today. Give me to help me make it through today. If we were honest with ourselves, and I pray that you would be, amen, the biggest decisions we wrestle with in our spiritual walk, amen, is where we think we're going to be a month from now. And the prayers we're praying for 10 years from now, and there's some validity to that, amen, but when Jesus prayed the model prayer, he said, give me today, give me this day day, my daily bread, the same spirit of what David said, amen, that he would be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, that the good steps of a righteous man, they are ordered of the Lord. I've come to tell somebody right now, you are borrowing problems into your future because you are trying to figure out a year from now, six months from now, you're trying to figure out 30 days from now, but Jesus said, pray for today. Give me today what I need. Help me sustain today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, give me this day. Somebody shout this day my daily bread. In the wilderness they were given manna. How often? Every morning. Every morning they would receive manna. Amen. And every day they would have to go out and collect uh, that divine food from God. Uh, that manna would appear in the morning time. No wonder the weeping, weeping prophet Jeremiah said, uh, every morning thy mercies are made new to me because every day I need a fresh touch from God. Uh, every day I I need a fresh intervention and provision from God. You got to stop living off of yesterday's blessing and quit trying to survive off your mama's blessing and quit trying to live for God over what he did six months ago. That's why it's important to read your Bible every day. That's why it's important to pray every day because he will give you this day your daily bread. If you are starving, if you feel spiritually emaciated, your problem is you are eating a lunch today that was meant for last week and you need to be able to have enough faith to say give me this day my daily bread for the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord oh somebody shout hallelujah 
He said the steps, the principle of this general, the principle of this captain of the armies of God, David, this man of war, he kept going back to that, that principle. And in Psalms 119, the steps, not the journey, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. His light, he is a lamp unto my feet and he is a light unto my path. For those of you that are feeling overwhelmed by life, I've come to preach to you this morning. For those of you that are feeling overwhelmed with the choices that lay before you, I'm preaching to you this morning. You are borrowing stress that doesn't belong to you. You are borrowing stress and problems that you've not yet even faced. All the what ifs and the might be's. God is asking you to live in the moment. He wants you to have faith for where your feet are and say, give me this day my daily bread. Help me walk in the light that you've given unto me. I looked it up and the average, the average stride of a man is 2.5 feet. Two and a half feet is the average stride of a man. Two and a half feet. Amen. I, he, in other words, God said, I have promised enough light for two and a half feet at a time. Enoch walked with God two and a half feet at a time. Abraham sojourned with God and he did it two and a half feet at a time. E Israel left Egypt and they left their walking doing it two and a half feet at a time. There are over 400 references in your Bible about walking in scripture and walking in God. The Bible says we must, gives us an admonition to walk, to walk circumspectly, to walk worthily, to walk in the fear of the Lord, to walk in the spirit, to walk in truth and it is meant to be accomplished two and a half feet at a time. If you will start living for God two and a half feet at a time. If you will stop trying to live for God in the mile. If you'll stop trying to live for God amen in the year. If you'll just take it a day at a time. Sweet Jesus that's all I'm asking of you. Give me the strength to make it today. God's giving you light for today. He'll give you light for tomorrow. You can live for God two and a half feet at a time. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm preaching a word to somebody right now. You need to quit stressing out about 23 and 24 and you need to start walking in 2022. You've been wondering why has this year been so tough? It's because you haven't been looking to where the light is. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He said, he that follows me will not sit in darkness. In other words, if you will walk with him, his word is gonna give you enough light to make it two and a half feet at a time. You may not know where the bend in the road is, but if you'll walk two and a half feet at a time, God's gonna give you direction and God's gonna give you light. The success of the whole army depended on their ability, amen, to follow the light that was around their feet. And they had to pay attention to where they were going because there were many sharp turns and there were deep cavernous valleys that, that if you fell off of them, you would fall to a certain death. And if one soldier got out of alignment, if one soldier stopped paying attention, if one soldier got out of movement, he would take a step this direction and fall to his death and potentially the entire army would fall off that same cliff because all you could see was the light that was around your feet and every two and a half feet see the light of the person in front of you. I'm telling somebody right now, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. You got your eyes looking way too far in the distance. Jesus said, I'm gonna give it to you daily. I'm gonna tie a lamp to your feet and my word will light up your path. I wanna encourage somebody right now. You may not understand your tomorrow. You may not have enough faith for 10 years from now, but if you'll walk every day in the word of God and in the promise of God, he's going to give you enough light to get through it. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's meant to be done two and a half feet at a time. You need to start living for God two and a half feet at a time. You need to start learning to pray two and a half feet prayers. You need to start learning that maybe the reason you don't have faith to move the mountain yet is because you still don't have the faith to take one stride and to take another step. But if you'll let God light up your path, if you'll let God's word be a lamp unto your feet, there's no telling where you'll go. There's no telling what God will do in your life but it begins It begins in the small things. How am I going to get through this, Pastor? Two and a half steps at a time. How, how, how am I going to get through this situation? Two and a half feet at a time. Just take a step. What about the next step? Take the step. No, no, I want God to illuminate my next step. That's not how it works. He illuminates as you walk. That's the way faith works. Amen. When Israel left Egypt and they were pinned between a raging army from Egypt and, and a Red Sea, it wasn't until Moses uh, stretched out the staff that then God parted the waters. Forty some years later, it was when they were going to cross over the Jordan River that had flooded its banks. Amen. That God said, you tell the priest to put the ark upon their shoulder and when their feet touch the water, I'm going to make a way. Those priests did not stand at the edge of the river and say, God, move it. God, move it. God, move it. No, that's not what God said to do. God said, you put your feet in those rushing waters. You put your feet in those muddy, swirling currents that are terrifying. And the Bible said when that first priest stuck his foot in the water, that God, God cut off the waters of the Jordan and they marched across that river on dry land. You've been hanging out on the wilderness side far too long. You've been hanging out with fear way too long at the edge of the river. But if you'll take another step, if you'll make another move in God, just two and a half feet at a time, just one stride at a time, God's gonna show up and God's gonna make himself known in your situation. The light of the world wants to pierce our darkness with his insight to our mysteries. He wants to penetrate our minds, silence the song of haunting fears, arrest the dance of doubting demons from the past, give us insight to prioritize the opportunities of the present, to, to capture the challenge of our future, to arrest the fear that has burglarized our minds because of past mistakes. Like Israel, we long for something that is this tangible, as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. The cloud would geographically dictate the direction and the movement of Israel. The cloud generated or governed how far and how fast and by which direction that Israel would move. The pace and the distance were clearly demonstrated by the cloud by day and the fire by night. I've come to tell you this morning you need to follow what God is doing in your life. You need to follow the fire symbolizes the Holy Ghost and the cloud represents the Spirit of God. You need to be able to follow what God is doing in your life. You need to be able to follow after the direction that God is giving you in your life. During the Feast of Tabernacles, it was custom, the custom of Israel to leave their homes. And in the duration of that feast, uh, the, the Israelite people would leave their homes and they would live in shanties and in tents that were temporarily constructed for them to live in those booths through the duration of the feast. Amen. And this reminded them of the wilderness. It, it emphasized to them that they were pilgrims in a strange land, that this land really wasn't theirs, but they had some something better. They had something promised just ahead of them. Amen. It symbolized that each night during the feast, a large gallery gathered in the court of the Gentiles. Four great candelabras were set, one in each corner. They symbolized the pillar of fire by night. The people sang and they danced and they rejoiced all through the night until the sun would come up the next day. Remembering God's deliverance from Egypt. Amen. 
emotions would soar through the night, reaching their peak somewhere around the sunrise offering. At this hour, the priest would return from the waters of Siloam with pitchers filled with water. The pitchers would be held high above their head as they poured them onto the brazen, into the brazen laver. The water would overflow and run down the steps of the court and out into the cobblestone streets. It was at this moment that Jesus stood and cried in the temple, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Pointing to the candelabra, he declared, I am the light of the world. You better hear me and hear me clear. Jesus is the direction for your life. And if you thirst, you can drink of him. I know it's cliche, but it's an absolute fact. When Jesus is all that I have, Jesus is all that I need. He's bread when I'm hungry. He's light in the darkness. He's water when I'm thirsty. He's my comfort in my trouble. temple, Jesus pointed to the light and said, I'm the light of the world. The significance of light cannot be overstated in our life. The energy of the forest and fields are fueled by the light. The whole process of migration is triggered, not by temperature, but by light. The days growing shorter or growing longer trigger the flight of flocks of the birds of the air and even the migrations of the fish of the ocean. Creatures scurry for cover. God's light not only reveals the correct path, but God's light also, it also reveals my attitude. It also reveals my doubt, my insecurities, and even the sin in my own life. I sometimes feel that frantic movement in my soul when the brilliance of his truth is proclaimed into my life. Unpleasant things in my life begin to run for cover. We used to sing the old song shine the spotlight of heaven on my heart oh God search me and see if there be any wicked way in me but I thank God that his light has come not to condemn me but to expose where I can better be like him his light has not come to judge me his light has come that I might walk in relationship with him that we would find those things and we would exterminate them in our life. Listen to what John says, and I'm almost done. What Jesus says in John 3 and 19 through 21, he says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men have loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh into the light, lest his deeds should be reproved but he that doeth trust or doth cometh into the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. If I want direction in my life, I must let the light of God shine into my heart. It must first, I have to be exposed. My biases need to be exposed. My attitude needs to be exposed. I cannot see God or his guidance without a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh God and renew in me a right spirit for the direction in which my life will take. If I don't let the light of God shine in my heart, I'll take the wrong path and I'll do the wrong thing. But what I'm praying this morning is God, show me, shine your light in my life. Shine your light into my heart. Oh, would you lift your hands to heaven and pray that right now. Pray that right now. Shine in me, oh God. Let your light shine in my life and into my heart. I know it's been different this morning. I know this message is somewhat different, but let me tell you, amen, today, I have not come, amen, to make us feel comfortable in the dark, but ask God to shine his light upon us. Listen to me, and I'm almost done. My indecision is the litmus test that reveals clearly that I need a closer walk with God. 
Paul wrote the church in Romans in chapter 12, and he says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We believe that. We believe that. Our bodies given to God is our reasonable service. Listen, holiness is not extra credit. It's reasonable. Paul said at a bare minimum, that's what we ought to give him is our bodies. If you struggle with that too long, it's because your body's not on the altar. You got to put it on the altar and say, this belongs to you. And it's my reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why? Because we're going to help you with difficulties, with decisions and difficulties. Why do I present my body a living sacrifice? Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul said, brethren, if you present your bodies to the Lord, wholly acceptable unto God, if you let God's light shine in you, then you will be able to prove that which is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God in your life. Stand with me. The, the New Living Translation renders it this way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing but what do I do you ready follow the light uh, pastor I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow the light but the light's not moving no 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 it's on your feet you've got to move your foot Sometimes you'll put your foot out there and go, oh, oh, that wasn't it. And then God will turn you in this direction. And you'll take a step and it's safe. If God showed, how many has God given a promise in this? How many of you have a promise? Raise your hand. God's promised you something. When he gave you that promise, did he list all the valleys you're going to go through? He showed you the promise and then he said get it one step at a time. I know I use this old adage all the time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You've got to learn to live for God one step at a time. Look at somebody and tell them live for God. Two and a half foot at a time. That's what his word promised you. Did you hear me? That's what his word promised you. That he'll give you light for every step you take. Sometimes the light will move in and you'll look out and you'll be able to see the whole valley. You'll be able to see what's around the bend. and all. But most of the time, that's why the Bible says the just, the righteous, those that follow God. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
because I'm going to tell you something. When all you can see is the ground around your feet, it's a huge step of faith to take one forward. I, t- I, f- I feel the Spirit of the Lord comforting somebody right now, giving direction to you. Matter of fact, you're thinking, some of you are thinking, you're about to make wrong decisions based on the fact you can't see tomorrow. And so you think you are standing at a dead end. You think you're standing right here. You can't see your tomorrow. And you're thinking because I'm right here and I can't, I must be at a wall. So I'm fixing to go this way or that way or God forbid the way you came from. You're not up against the wall. You're up against darkness. Take another step. But what if I take another step and there's, there's nothing there? What if it's a cliff? That's how much faith you have in God? He said he would not suffer his little ones to wrath. You really think he's going to guide you into something that's cataclysmic and will be the end of your life? The Bible, Jesus said, if you evil fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give them to you? I'm asking you, this morning. Oh, I, I know I'm speaking. I'm not just speaking to a few. I'm speaking to a lot of people here today. You've came seeking answers. You're trying to figure out next year. Hey, have goals. Have aspirations for next year. But quit borrowing the problems of the what ifs. Have faith. Next year is going to be the greatest year I've ever had. The biggest blessing I've ever had. It's going to be the greatest revival we ever experienced. But we're going to take it two and a half feet at a time. If you only knew how close you were to what God promised your life, you would take that next step with joy. But the problem is we don't know. And we get weary with the journey. I think I told the story I'd read about how scientists would take a rat and drop it into a five-gallon bucket filled with water. They, they noticed if they left that rat in there to swim that the rats drowned somewhere around the 30 minute mark they drowned but something amazing happened that when that after 30 45 minutes when that rat began to drown right when it went under for the last time they picked it up and they dried it off and they let it catch its breath give it something to eat and they dropped that rat back in that bucket that rat would swim on average of 60 hours. Why? Because it had hope. We're not rats. We're the children of the Most High God. Before you sink beneath the waters of doubt, know that you are a whole lot closer than you can even imagine to what God wants to fulfill in your life. Don't abandon the path now. Pastor, how, how, do, you want, how do you want me to live for God? What are, you, what are you trying to say today? Two and a half feet. I can't climb a mountain can two and a half feet at a time. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven right now and feel the sweet, gentle touch of Almighty God just flowing into this place right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody right now, and I know there's a whole lot more than just two or three because the Lord has put this on my heart the last few weeks but I'm asking if there's anybody that wants to take a step two and a half feet at a time to this altar right now and let God begin to strengthen your journey right now come on come on you feel overwhelmed you, you, you don't know how you're going to make it through next week 
Money's running out. Bills are piling up. Gas prices are up. I'm facing all kinds of situations on my job, and I don't know how much further I can go. I'm, I'm asking you to take two and a half feet. Take a stride one step at a time. His word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. Come on, that's it. You know, I feel the strength of Almighty God in this place. I feel, I feel the I feel the warmth from the pillar of fire hovering over us right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, child of God. He understands the struggle. He's familiar with the pain. He knows where you are, your frustration. He knows your exhaustion. You know what it takes to get between where you are in that degree, where you are in that promotion, where you are in that house, where you are in the salvation of that loved one. He knows it's a journey. But he's not asking you to do the journey all at once. It's just two and a half feet at a time. It's just one step at a time. You're going to make it. You're going to make it today. You're going to make it one stride at a time, two and a half feet at a time. Come on, let his spirit just begin to infuse you with strength and with power right now. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.